Bonjour, film lovers. Did you know that you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio? We also have a website, realnerdspodcast.com, where you can find cool articles and other ways to listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on social, Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us at 720-6-NERDS-5. We will listen to it, we will play it, and we will probably commentate on it. Also, email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Anyway, enjoy the episode. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2021, hopefully, and beyond. I am Ryan. With me via Zoom is James. What? (laughs) (laughs) You sure about that? Yeah. I see his picture right now. He's smiling. That that, that never-ending stare. He's on the show. Hey, (laughs) hey, where's my avatar? Oh, no. I've been merged into two people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just kidding brad what's up hey Corinne, i'm almost done with my you? film oh no oh, sorry Ooh, moving on already all right cool Hi. well i said what's <laughs> up and you're just supposed to say hey what's up and then i introduce everybody else do you have something else you need to say like right now no i'm good please continue <laughs> brad how are you is everything okay i'm doing great i finished another film so uh i'm actually checking it right now because it has to be turned in at midnight so Congratulations. Thanks. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I can't wait for people to see it. I thought you were already done with it like 12 hours in advance. Why do you have to wait to turn it in? Do you have to wait to turn it in? Uh, no. Uh, I just you know shared it with the rest of the team and we we're like, oh, it would be cool if you like added this one little thing. But that also means re-rendering for two hours. So well, yeah, Playing a risky time. game, my friend. Yeah. So I think it's the last one. So. All right. I'm you might still gonna... be ahead. You might still be more ahead than you than you tend to be with the 48 hour because you always just say that you're near the deadline on it, right? Yeah. Well, this is a four day competition, so we have like a whole extra day, um, right, to do it. And uh, like, so I actually got to do sound design and clean up the audio and yeah, do graphics. Oof. And I didn't feel very lovely. Like I had you know, crunch time to do it, so I'm, I'm feeling Did good. You nice. Did you also have to? pick randomly your genre because it seems like this genre was made for <laughs> who's in the film with you uh that that's just they gave it to us we didn't have any say so we just lucked out for us we've actually gotten martial arts as a option before we passed on it um so this time we decided to embrace it so nice and what's the name of your film brad the legend of drunken brewmaster now are we gonna is this a take on uh, famous Jackie Chan film. Um, it's it's really more of a Jackie Chan film in name only. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, closer to the Karate Kid and uh, uh, Micro Brews. So very cool, very nice. Is Can't it available it. for people to watch somewhere? I'm not sure yet. Uh, I don't know because the last time we did the Four Points Film Project was four years ago, and they didn't have like an online screening process. And now that everything is online screening, um, I think we'll find out once they whittle down 
because it's a worldwide competition. So it's not just Colorado we're included with. So I think they'll probably whittle it down to their favorites and then do an online screening of those. So instead of doing like a thousand of them. Hopefully it's going to be off a name. Your name alone should like make them want it to be one of the best. Totally. Like I, I should just done a title card for five minutes. Totally. <laughs> just just Brad Haig for five minutes. <laughs> Brad, Brad. It's a neon sign. <laughs> Corinne, how are you? Doing okay. Uh, <laughs> we have early deadlines this week, so I have to do a week's worth of reporting in like two days. But then I get to fuck off for like 11 days after that. So kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> nice. Zach? Oh, I'm, I've just been doing shit all week. So, <laughs> um, but I'm good. I'm, 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 uh, I, I work is turning into, uh, a bit of a overzealous situation, but I'm handling it. Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh yeah. It's the holidays, man. Everybody got to get their Turkey on, you know? <laughs> yeah. I went to uh, King Supers uh, today and I, I was like, man, there's a lot of canned goods for 75 cents. Yeah. Thanksgiving we're, we're, food's so overrated. Just yeah. eat like pizza or lasagna or something. Gosh. The last Steaks. couple of years the last couple of years when we haven't gone to do anything with family, we've been just doing steaks here at the house, and I gotta say I prefer that. <laughs> but that so good. I'm not a big turkey guy. I don't know what it is. I like chicken. I like that just fine. I don't know why I don't like that other bird, but you know, and I well, like duck I mean, too. For me, it's like, it's fine for one meal, but I don't know about you guys, but we always had to eat leftovers for like the next six or seven meals after that. It's like, oh, you got to eat it till it's gone. I'm like, I'm tired. I was tired of it on day one. I don't want to eat it for three more days. Yeah. So like, there's, there's no point to it. I mean, the only reason I participate in Thanksgiving is for the pumpkin pies that are made on mass. So I, that's fine. That's all I need in life, you know, pumpkin pie. Like, well, it must be nice to know that you can just complain about turkey and stuff. Me, I'm going to be out protecting people and working while y'all are at home <laughs> enjoying your fucking dinners, okay? Wait, wait, Ryan, Ryan, can we get you a turkey leg to munch on while you serve the people? No, like Thanksgiving is the worst day. Ah, uh, I see. People get it. Last year, like people got in a brawl up on Fall River Road. <laughs> <laughs> they have yeah. to brawl about the turkey <laughs> no it was no this is how stupid it is zach there was a bike rider who was rude to hikers and then it turned out into this fight it turned into this fight so yeah um, uh, everybody is like cranky everybody's grumpy mm-hmm. sucks don't, don't you feel like even more so this year yep don't you feel like you're just part of everyone else's family though on thanksgiving <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind Christmas because usually Christmas everyone's like pretty cool. And like three years ago, I had the most fun call I've ever been on. Um, I mean, it was an accident call, but I was just driving down. Uh, we have this place called Center Alley, and it's behind like the restaurants and stuff. And then there's homes in between uh, on the other side of the alley. And I was is snowing and I looked and I saw this little bulldog puppy. <laughs> he was like running down the alley and jumping over like uh, banks of snow. And um, I'm like, where in the hell did this dog come from? 
And then I saw this. this, I know I was going to steal it. No, just kidding. Um, (laughs) They're like two houses behind me. There's this gate that was like a little cracked open. And then I was like, I bet he came from there. And then I looked on the ground and there's these little paw prints running from it. So I picked him up and I went into the backyard and then I heard this growl and it was mom. And with her other little bulldog puppies in this like uh, heated shed that they made i guess for the mom and the puppies so i put him down and they were all really cute and then the mom was nice to me you put him down oh my god you monster (laughs) dang it on christmas even i know well i was gonna steal him and put him in a stocking and like look what look what santa brought us but you know (laughs) your wife's too smart for that yeah, but he was really cute, and uh, he uh, the lady walks him around town now. He's like 110 pounds, and uh, a couple weeks ago, I was out at the, there's an Elks Lodge out there, and there had I guess a couple months ago now, and there was a barbecue, and he was just sitting on a, a lawn chair, like sitting up, and it was the funniest fucking sight ever. He his knows where his is. throne is. It's <laughs> so yeah, that, that that was a fun call because a little bulldog puppy was running through the snow here's a follow-up question for you ryan when you're yeah. when you're what when, when laura posts all those photos of uh dogs from the uh from adoption agencies and stuff mm-hmm. like that is it like her saying hint 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 like we, we need more dogs in this house <laughs> yeah in a way she really wants this one that his name's ernie is this chihuahua ah, oh no. no don't get little dogs they're the worst not all the time i had a little dog named reggie he was really nice Reggie was cool, but this is a chihuahua. And the next thing you know, it starts getting a posh attitude, and then it moves to Beverly Hills, and it becomes a Beverly Hills chihuahua. And then where are we? I don't need George Lopez telling me what to do. Can it make you move, chihuahua? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That movie. Anyway, Um, Brian, pro tip. Next time you have to work a holiday, request to work on Mother's Day, because it's the holiday with the least amount of crime. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was just reading about this. Don't, don't go out on Father's Day. It's a massacre. <laughs> it's, it's a one day where you don't people don't want to let down their moms. <laughs> well, that or, you know, all the moms are committing crimes, but, you know, they're busy that day with hanging out with their kids and getting massages and stuff. So yeah. I think what we've really discovered is that moms are criminal masterminds. Most likely. I mean, Mother's Day taught me that that uh, that that trauma movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're behind everything. And Psycho, Psycho taught me that too. Mother's behind everything. <laughs> Anywho, on every week on Real Nerds podcast, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw the Friday the Thirteenth slasher, Freaky. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the episode. We'll tell you if you see the film or not. Play the trailer for you and then spoil the film. Uh, we also talk about movie news. Blu-rays that are coming out to purchase and movies we've watched throughout the week. And sometimes we just ramble on stuff that doesn't matter. Like we just did. Um, Uh, Oh, I don't know. Dogs are pretty important subject. (laughs) They are. Dogs are awesome. Um, Brad, I, are we going around town with you or is your, is your video movie that you shot you're around town this week? Uh, No, the drive-in is still open for another week. Nice. Wait, which drive-in? 88? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week at the 88 (laughs) Drive-In. 
they have they're showing the sequels to last week's drive-in lineup. So you get the Smurfs two, Paul Blart Mall Cop Mall Cop two, uh, and then Glory <laughs> from nineteen eighty nine. Wait, what? What's yeah. Glory a sequel to Gettysburg? That's not a sequel, but no, but it's like a companion piece, I guess. Here's my well, no, actually, because well, last Getty, week was Getty's Fury, so like, oh, oh so it's a oh, it's a war movie. Okay, more war hey, stuff. I mean, so so after Paul Blart Mall Cop, you go into Glory. I just, I just, I just don't know if that works as a lineup. <laughs> well, they're doing it, whether you like it or not. I'll go for Glory. I'm not gonna like suffer through Paul Blart first. <laughs> to get to glory glory is yeah, a good movie i'm just like i'll just show up there at 8:25. so yeah <laughs> um but i i think this lineup is only around until thursday so by the time you listen to this episode who knows if it's even, even gonna be the lineup <laughs> it may be nothing at all so that's what's going on around town cool is it a light week in movie news? Who knows? But Zach, you're going to fill us in. It's real news. Oh, um, I'll, I'll start with the piece uh, that follows up from our last discussion, um, last week's discussion. Uh, so we had talked about Johnny Depp uh, was uh, asked to step down or slash fired from Fantastic Beast 3. And it looks like David Yates is in talks with Mads Mikkelsen to replace him, which I'm kind of down with this idea because I like Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I mean, he could... Colin Farrell's too busy making the Batman right now, so he can't do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, and I, and I do think that like, if we're going off of like, if I'm going off my memory of those fantastic beast movies or specifically the second one, like it's feasible that Mikkelsen could like transition that performance pretty easily. Like, Oh yeah. And he's and terrifying as actor. Oh God. Yeah. Oh yeah. In other news, they said they wouldn't give me another season of Hannibal. So I um, hit my head over a brick wall for five hours. Mm. Um, but no, yeah, I, this would be fun to, to see him do this. I'm not huge on the fantastic beast movies person, but I'm curious enough now to watch Mads Mikkelsen take on that man, that, that particular role. And I do like Jude Law's Dumbledore. Um, uh, so yeah, that, it should be interesting to see what he can do with it, end up uh, doing it. Um, uh, we'll move on to another big movie st- or to a bigger movie star. Uh, it seems like Dwayne Johnson's going to produce a reboot of the Scorpion King um if anybody remembers what the scorpion king is it's a it's a film that was inspired by the dwayne johnson villain um in the mummy return i have it on ultra hd oof and they gave well now ryan do you have the entire series you just have that first one i just have first one i do not have the other i think four films (laughs) one of them has billy zane in it and that's why i want to watch it because it has billy zane in it um, but it looks like Jonathan Herman, who was one of the uh, script writers for Straight Outta Compton, is set to write the film. Uh, and Universal is currently looking for a lead star and a director. They also said that it's going to take place in the modern day, which, I mean, it, mm. um, until I read that we were digging up 2,500-year-old mummies out of the ground um, as, far as, as far back as today, then I would have just said that sounded ridiculous. Now it makes complete sense because 2020 is just off the fucking wall. <laughs> but 
Um, I mean, I remember as a kid liking that Scorpion King movie because my folks took me to see it in the IMAX. Um, but yeah, but I, and it's Chuck Russell, so you can't go wrong with Chuck Russell as a director, but um, I don't, I haven't watched it since then. So I don't remember anything about it really. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's see, uh, let's see what the, the Scorpion King will look like down the line. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and move on to some sadder news. Um, pandemic, as you know, is happening and it's currently taking its effect on everything. There's reports from the National Association of Theater Owners that says that 70% of small and mid-sized cinemas uh, may be going bankrupt by January 2021, um, just due to the uh, lack of attendance, lack of product. Um, and they're, they're, the quote, one of the quotes is, um, without a substantial slate of big movies and with people still worried about the virus, our revenues will um, have been decimated. We're losing money while operating. Uh, and we're, and we were shut down entirely for many, many months. It's, it's a matter of life and death for many theater companies. So, so yeah, this, um, the, the bad news just keeps on coming with that. Um, what's more, uh, the, uh, virus is also causing, uh, this is a report, this is something that's coming from an interview with Jason Blum uh, with Inverse. Uh, Blum was um, asking how, was being asked how uh, uh, PPE, which is personal protective equipment, would be factoring into the budgets of movies in the era of, of COVID. And he says, it's 10 to 20% of the total production cost. It's an additional 10 to 20% it ain't cheap. That's his quote. So um, budgets are going up by 10 to 20% to cover everyone's ass on COVID. So, um, which is, I'm glad that they're keep safe and following following the strict program. Um, I mean, I, I had to do that in September with, you know, like a, uh, like a five to six, like a five person crew in my house and we had to space out and everything. So, um, says I'm getting unstable here, so I'll try to move it. Um, but so, yeah, um, I- I'm wondering how that will affect the ability for productions like Blumhouse to keep going. Like they keep their budgets, but it's pretty low. So it just means that their smaller ones are going to go up. I wonder how that affects bigger budget movies down the line. Um, uh, I think they'll be, uh, I mean, obviously they don't care because they're like Spider-Man shooting right now. And that's a $200 million movie. Oh yeah. So I, it's, I mean, it, it is. And hopefully, um, you know, we're getting news now that one vaccine's ninety percent effective, and today the other one is ninety, almost ninety-five percent. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci said by the uh, summer they'll have enough vaccines to hopefully get rid of this if everything works out as planned, and hopefully it does. And yeah. you know, we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm very confident that we will. Um, have some proper resolution to this and things won't take too big of a hit too much more of a hit than they've already been uh, receiving. So, Um, so this is also kind of like the last bit of that news is that, so Ryan, I don't know if you know more about this than I do, because I'm kind of confused. Is it Warner brothers is apparently um, deciding that they might put wonder woman 1984, both in theaters and in HBO IMAX on Christmas day. Yeah, um, they're trying to, because I mean, it's starting to get to a point, and I think other studios might start realizing this, something like Soul, why it's going straight to Disney Plus, 
um, but it's also coming to theaters too, is they're trying to find a way where they can release these movies and maximize how much money they can make because eventually they're going to start just stacking movies and then you're going to have movies that are not going to be released for time for a long time and just collecting dust. And then do you make other movies or are you just going to constantly be behind and making films? Yeah, um, cause they, cause they can't afford a lot of these bigger budget ones can't afford to be dumped within the same time frame because they cannibalize each other. Yep. Um, and then so nobody makes any money. That's like similar. Like it's, I don't remember how much Deadpool two made by comparison to Deadpool one, but I know that infinity war definitely probably took a little bit of a chunk out of what it could have made. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's just, I mean, they're going to have to figure if they want to release films, they're going to figure it out or they're just going to keep on delaying them yeah, until which, they can start. One, for some reason, people are still stupid and we keep on getting more cases. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think debuting Wonder Woman in theaters and on like premium VOD might be the way they're going to go for a while. Um, <laughs> Makes sense to me because – you know, you have those people that will be willing to see it in the theater, but then you also have people who will want to watch it online and they don't, they don't care. Like, Oh, I don't need, you know, the big surround sound, the Dolby quality equipment. Like I'm just fine watching it on my little, you know, 40 inch TV at home. Right. They're going to, they're going to find any way they can to salvage what they can out of the year. I mean, this sort of goes back to last week's discussion about Nolan pointing out that we have to adjust our expectations regarding a lot of these projects to a new reality of the box office for theater, like in terms of theater reception is going to be different than what it was before March. So it's it's a different adjustment. I think people are slowly starting to go back to, I, I always check my Alamo app because they do a lot of specialty screenings right now. And I mean, if you go to next week, I think it's elf. I mean, it's almost sold out. I mean, yeah, it's buffer seating, but they're still selling a lot of tickets for this stuff. So I think part of that might be the fact that all the regal uh, theaters are closed. So there's less competition now. All the people like me who would have gone to a regal theater are now having to find other alternatives. Possibly. And like I said before, I think that, and I I think in the uh, Nolan article too, and this one, they got to start making, telling people why it's not dangerous to go. I mean, I read an article there. They've, they haven't outbreaks haven't occurred in theaters and in other places similar to theaters. It's more of like get togethers where it breaks out. Yeah. Like where the, where the space is 10 times more enclosed. Yeah. I I don't know. I I mean, obviously your biggest risk is really going to be an outbreak among the staff. Yeah, I don't and, see an outbreak among the theater goers, and even if there is, I mean, how do you prove that? They're probably I think uh, something else. people might be more comfortable going to Alamo because you have to get your temperature checked and stuff like that before you get in there. Yeah, so there. Um, I, I will say that um, in my attempts to see the movie this week, um, well, one, I didn't prep ahead enough on it apparently, but um, Alamo was sold out of all freaky screenings. Like I couldn't get to one. Um, and then AMC, the one showtime I wanted to go to, was sold out. So I ended up having to go to the Dolby Atmos for it, um, which was fine because there was it was also a bigger screen and nicer sound. But so I think that 
people are kind of slowly, if, if the movies are good, they're trickling back in, or if it's something they are very interested yeah. in seeing, which we'll, we'll talk about that in, in the, in the final review. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like I, 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 and another factor might be that the theaters that are still open, they're only having like limited hours, right? Limited hours and they're technic- only showing in the evenings and weekends. Yeah, like limited hours, and I don't know if this actually took effect or not, but I, I thought that the capacity got reduced yet again, so that might be accounting for it as well. Um, but I don't, I, 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 yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what the what the reality of it all is apart from the fact that, you know, studios are going to have to make, are making, having to make these tougher decisions. Fox moved or 20th century pictures moved free guy and death on the Nile to next year. So they're already like there's the Disney slate is done for the year. Um, and so Warner brothers is the last man standing in regards to this, uh, into some, a product to actually release. So, um, we'll see what decision they make. I'm sure we'll get an announcement sooner rather than later. Um, uh, but yeah, let's move on. Um, it seems like we're going to get uh, another Michael Bay movie, um, which uh, I'm down for this since he's no longer working in that robot realm. Um, he's going to be doing a uh, a movie called Ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, and it's supposed to be in the vein of speed. So it's like speed with an ambulance. Um, and it's, uh, he's going it off uh, the, uh, it, it seems like it might be a remake of a Danish film called Ambulancen. Um So I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I like Michael Bay when he's not, you know, doing clearly doing a franchise piece that he seems to not care too much about. <laughs> um, like I really like pain and gain and stuff. So I'm usually down to see what he's going to offer, even if it sounds like it's been treaded down before. I have not seen his Netflix movie at all though. The um, underground, whatever the like underground six, is it called? Um, so we'll have to see what that plays out to be. Um, Ryan, we might get a we might get Darkwing Duck brought back into our lives. How do you feel about that? Let's get dangerous. Yeah, how would you feel about uh, Seth Rogen being the executive producer on it? I'm down. I I love Darkwing Duck, and you know, I watch my DVDs pretty regularly because it's a really fun show. Yeah, well, are they gonna kind of do like what they did with Ducktales and just bring it back? that like it's animated still, but it's just a different style or something. Yeah. It's, I think it's the same studio is doing it. I mean, they, they just released the hour long or it's coming out really soon. The hour long, uh, Darkwing duck special. So when it drops, watch it. Sweet. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm, here's, here's looking forward to the return of Drake Mallard. Um, Ryan, um, do we need a short circuit remake? No. Okay, well, we're getting one anyway, so we, we'll just have to pretend it doesn't exist, like the Overboard remake. Only um, if you cast an actual Indian person. Oh, yeah, when asked if Fisher Stevens would be reprising his role, the producer said, uh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it looks like that uh, Spyglass Media is developing a remake. I don't even remake. think the first one's that good. So, I mean, I guess if they're going to remake it, hopefully they make it good. I, the the only the the only reference point to uh, that I have to it is what you and Brad and James have described on the show. I've still never seen the first movie. 
I just know what Fisher Stevens does in it. And yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, and they actually, they let him do it for two movies, if I'm recalling all these conversations in the past correctly. So um, we'll see. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Wally was a perfectly fine robot movie. I don't think we need another one ever again. Um, uh, so there's some Zack Snyder's Justice League special cut news uh, that's been banding about the internet. The first is, is that apparently there was an issue over the rights to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah when using that song for the trailer. Um, but the bigger report is that apparently the reshoots will only be uh, adding a few additional minutes to the movie. So my question is, what the hell is this cut then? Because <laughs> uh, it seems like how is how is it for I, I, unless there's just stuff that was already on the cutting room floor that he's putting back in obviously but like then why spend 10 to 20 million dollars on five minutes i just i i'm kind of lost for words on it it doesn't make sense when i heard that because he's also bringing the joker in yeah. I, I don't know what the hell's going on i don't know either he also said that he originally wanted to release an imax in black and white and I, you guys know me. I like black and white movies. I love them. I can't get enough of them. I want to see the Justice League in color. <laughs> that's 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 what I would like to see is all those colorful, bright costumes in whatever shading Zack Snyder wants them to be. I don't know if I need a black and white Justice League movie. And if you, if, and I don't think Warner Brothers would have ever let him do it. So, um, no, regardless of how much money he would have made him. Um, but you know, I'm still rooting for this cut. I want to see what this becomes. So, um, uh, David Fincher has signed a four year exclusive deal with Netflix. Um, he apparently signed this deal, uh, while giving every opinion in the world imaginable, uh, over the course of this week while interviews for his film Mank. Um, but in regards to his four year deal with Netflix, uh, he said, I have an, I have an exclusivity deal with Netflix. Netflix for another four years and depending on Mank's reception I'll either go see them sheepishly asking what I can do to redeem myself or take the attitude of the arrogant asshole who will require making other films in black and white ha no I'm here to deliver them content whatever it means likely to bring them spectators in my small sphere of influence um so yeah we'll get more David Fincher stuff out of it maybe it means we'll get more uh Mindhunter if we can get more Mindhunter, I'm totally fine with uh, whatever he decides to do with Netflix. I just want more Mindhunter. I'm really upset that we don't have another season of it. Um, I've also read the reasons why we don't have a third season of Mindhunter is because he got exhausted making uh, Mank. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I have no comment on some of the other things he's been saying over the week. Um, and... Lastly, um, Universal and Cinemark have stricken a deal uh, for the shortened theatrical window. Um, and it really looks like um, this is just another, ex this is basically, uh, I think Freaky is kind of doing this already because Jason Blum announced that 17 days after Freaky's release in theaters, it would be available on PVOD. Um, so yeah, it looks like Cinemark is um, uh, another uh, feather in Universal's cap in terms of getting them to come to terms with this deal of shortened theatrical windows, which 
kind of make it does definitely make sense in the current environment of the pandemic, but I'm hoping that this does not get abused too much. It probably will because we're living in fucked up times right now. That's news, unless I missed anything. Cool. What are we going to get this week? Hmm, I wonder. This is coming out on Blu-ray. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, Ryan, did you want a shout-select version of Twins? Getting the shout version of Twins. I didn't... I didn't realize this was coming out, but I'll have to get it. Yeah, you can get Twins from 1988 on Shout Select Blu-ray. Um, and like $16, I think. That's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. Um, uh, I guess amongst the new releases of the week, uh, it's really the New Mutants, um, which uh, I think New Mutants was um, – I, I, I still haven't seen it, so I've officially not seen every X-Men movie from the Fox – years in theaters because uh i didn't i didn't uh i wasn't in town for the new mutants episode so i didn't go to it mm. um I, I maybe i'll watch it um when i have absolutely nothing else to do um you can also get season three of westworld in 4k and blu-ray um there is a resident evil complete series um or complete collection uh for 4k coming out ryan you're probably not picking this up since you already have everything essentially right yeah i well i mean i do have the final chapter in 4k um i don't um i don't know if i need those movies in 4k (laughs) (laughs) i liked how you took time to figure out the answer to that question (laughs) I'm, i'm probably going to see uh the reviews on it because the last, the final chapter is kind of murky in 4K. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't look bad. It's just what it is, you know. I gotcha. Um, well, uh, fear not. There's other things coming out. Um, I, I'll tell you what. You can get uh, the Criterion of Moonstruck, uh, Cher and Nicolas Cage, uh, in the film that would win Cher her Oscar came to Criterion. You can pick that up if you like. Or you can pick up the Douglas Trumbull film Silent Running coming to Blu-ray via Arrow. Um, Or if you're really, really feeling ambitious, you can get Mill Creek's Hammer Films collection, which has 20 Hammer films in the set. Um, I would normally cringe at the name Mill Creek. However, uh, I did pick up Their Lady from Shanghai, um, release, which I've heard is a really good release, so I will be reviewing it to see what it looks like. Um, but if they've got a bunch of Hammer films on their hands, maybe they actually took the time to restore them. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, and also, it looks like they're reissuing It's a Wonderful Life in 4K. I can't tell if this is a new cover or not. It's, uh, it's... a steel book. It's yeah. beautiful. Oof, that's a lovely steel book. Comes with a mini poster. Hey, but he doesn't have... Wait a second, Ryan. He doesn't have a lasso over the moon. <laughs> this is a fucking lie. <laughs> um, also from Mill Creek, by the way, this is actually something I will be picking up regardless of it being Mill Creek or not. The Inner Sanctum Mysteries complete film series. These are all films made from 1943 to 1945 that star Lon Chaney Jr. These are based in name only on the Inner Sanctum radio program. There are there are they are not all great some of them are fun 
Um, I learned about them through Secret History of Hollywood, but these are the films you get in them, Ryan. Calling Dr. Death, mm-hmm. Weird Woman, Dead Man's Eyes, The Frozen Ghost, Strange Confession, and the creme de la creme of titles, Pillow of Death. Nice. Yes. This woman, did they make a, a movie about my life and not tell me? Oh, oh wait, hold on. I'm checking. I, I am checking the subtitle, Corinne. It says... The Corinne Westman story. Wow, they knew about you in 1944. Jesus Christ, man, you've been all over the place, Corinne. Those bitches. Uh, <laughs> I think it was weird that they got Lon Chaney Jr. to play you, though, Corinne. I think that was kind of offensive and mean, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, th- these are th- these are in all seriousness, these are films that I I learned about with uh, that. Uh, the Universal Horror series that Secret History did. So I I I I've seen. Uh, the Frozen Ghost. So I need to watch the rest of these. So um, there's also a 12 film collection called of, of Rita Hayworth uh, films, yeah, I love Rita uh, which yeah, which includes the lady from Shanghai. Um, I didn't realize this collection was coming out. Um, so maybe I have to double dip on Lady from Shanghai. But you also get Music in My Heart. You'll never get rich. Tonight and every night, down to earth. The Loves of Carmen, Affair in Trinidad, Salome, Miss Sadie Thompson, Fire Down Below, Pal Joey, uh, and They Came to Cordura. Uh, so, yeah, you can check all those all out if you would like. And Rita Hayworth, um, hubba, hubba, hubba. I know. She was married to some, she was married to a certain writer, director, actor that I know you do not like, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, actually, actually the, the story of lady from Shanghai is interesting because she wanted to do it, even though she and Orson were already divorced at this point. Um, and then uh, another big new release is unhinged. Uh, the 2020 movie that reopened movie theaters sort of mm-hmm. kind of, did it really change anything guys? I don't know. Um, and uh, the Kino Lorber is putting out something that I really want. Uh, it's the Dragnet movie from 1954. And you get two different cuts of the film, but this is the film that was directed by Jack Webb and stars Jack Webb, uh, along with Richard Boone, Ben Alexander, and Robinson, Virginia Gregg. Uh, yeah, I like Dragnet as a radio show. Um, I was never a fan of the TV version for whatever reason. I just really like that radio show. Hey, hey uh, Zach, Jack Webb. Can you yeah? just stick to the facts, please? Just the facts. <laughs> I need your opinion here. Just the facts. Nice. You know what, Brad? The story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Don't quote, don't quote Law and Order to me. Stay <laughs> on topic. No, 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 no. That's not a quoting a Law and Order. Law and Order is in the criminal justice system. There I know. Are two separate God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, this is your story. Bum, bum. Um, uh, yeah. And then it looks like that's really it. Unless you want the crudes in 4K. Did anybody want the crudes in 4K? No. Okay. Well, then we don't. Then we don't need to I go see any you're further. Out with the sequel it's supposed to drop yeah. next week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Hey, Ryan. Guess what? I'm wrong. There is a Warner Archive collection of Alfred Hitchcock's uh, films that he did with Warner Brothers except for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, but you get Suspicion, The Wrong Man, Dial in for Murder, and I Confess. Um, a couple, uh, Three of these are with Warner Brothers. One of them was an RKO joint. Obviously, that's Suspicion with Cary Grant. But yeah, I will be getting that because I kind of like the packaging. It's really neat and nice. And I get all of them in one setting. So, um, yeah. And that's news, or Blu-rays, sorry. 
We watch films throughout the week in a segment we call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, I'm going to start with you. You've been really quiet. Uh, yeah, I mean, my my week, I didn't really watch any new movies or anything, TV shows. Uh, I watched a lot of clips of SNL sketches on YouTube, um, but nothing really stands out worth talking about. I, you know, I, people like what always... era of SNL? Modern? Uh, older? Uh, definitely modern. I started out with season 46, which I think they are in the midst of. Um, you know, every, Eddie Murphy came back, uh, but that episode didn't have a ton of a minute. Um, and then I watched season 45 and then I just, I, you know, it was, it's on YouTube. It's mostly playlists from fans. So I just, it's, it was just like random sketches from the two thousands, early two thousands to now. Um, it's kind of why I picked through. So, um, it, yeah, just fun, random stuff. Um, but nothing that I'm like, Oh God, you get, I got to talk to you guys about this. This was, this was great. You know, a lot of the older stuff is you got to pay for like through the Peacock or other platforms. So I haven't quite gotten to it, but you know, the, the stuff I have seen from the past, I, I don't have the reverence that other people do for it. Um, like from the seventies, you know, I almost feel like, you know, their, their sketches, they were, they were first to the, to the doors, so you know, a lot of people just love them because they're first. Um, yeah, um, you know, my wife still watches the new stuff, and I'm not the biggest fan. I still think Weekend Update's pretty funny, but I, I really can't get into it. Yeah, it's like for every like great sketch, there's you know, there's filler, you know. Yeah. Um, but That's it's it, how I feel, Brad. I watch it on their clips on YouTube occasionally. And it also just depends on the guest star. Like, I know when they had Chance the Rapper on, like, every skit was just fire. And then other times, it's like, eh, this is okay. Yeah, you can definitely tell, like, who are the hosts that, like, really enjoy being there. Like, people like Tom Hanks or something, you know, like, really get into, uh, or like, Emma Stone. Like, they're really involved in, like, that, that week's episode. And then there's, like, usually musicians that are hosting that are just, like, um... Or like a, like a recent celebrity is hosting, and it, it just feels like they're mostly reading the cards off stage because they weren't there all week. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I I really liked Dave Chappelle's latest appearance on it, but I'm not. I don't keep up with it the way I would have say like ten years ago. Yeah, but and like, I, yeah, yeah. I don't like. I really don't buy into like why people expect every episode to be a fully curated like perfection you know it's a it's a live thing it's, that... it's, a, ver- it's a variety show they, every, not every sketch is gonna hit like that they that's... make up every week yeah you know? and it's and they've been doing this for close to i mean since the 70s it's now in season like 40 or something 46 so we're 46. coming up on 50 soon here so yeah like i mean like not even I mean, like, I mean, if you're like, if you go back to variety shows before SNL, like they were, they were running on fumes by the seventies, like they would have one, like, or two great bits. And then the rest of them were not, were not up to par. So like every, every engine runs out of steam at some point. I'm not saying SNL is running out of steam, but you can't expect it, as you said, to have a hit every time. Yeah. It's just the people are like, oh, it it hasn't been great since the seventies. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that they should 
like in the nineties, you know, they had an uptick and then it like, like just it's up and down. And um, probably the most fascinating thing I find watching is watching the, like the cast rotation. Um, You know, I forget like the overlap, like my perception of like who's in what era. Like, I can't believe Kate McKinnon's already on her 10th year. It feels like she's still like a new cast member. Um, Right. And like even Phil Hartman and Will Ferrell overlapped. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is, that's kind of bizarre to think about. And people like Adam Sandler were only there for like four years. Yeah. Actually like, and I, I mean, the way I, the way I first saw Adam Sandler was not on, not in one of his movies. The first Adam Sandler thing I would have saw was that best of Adam Sandler reel um, from SNL. So, cause I remember seeing opera man before I ever saw Billy Madison. Um, so like, you know, there's still ways that it, like you, you can go back and watch those sketches and they still work. I like the seventies ones a lot. Um, the eighties ones are fun with Eddie Murphy, but then after that, you're just kind of waiting for Dana Carvey and the, the, that latter half of the eighties cast to get in there. I was shocked. I, I didn't realize Eddie Murphy was only like 18 when he started on that show. Yeah. And he basically, he, he basically ran that show for the time that he was there. Like the only other person who had any presence on the show was Joe Piscopo. And um, well, you know, we all know how that turned out. Who do you think is the longest uh, cast member? I'd say Daryl Hammond. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it's not. Uh, it's Keenan Thompson. He's been there for almost 20 years. I was going to really? say, but Jesus. it's Keenan. Yeah. Daryl Hammond is right. the oldest cast member. He's almost in his 60s, yeah. and he's doing well, the that... uh, voiceover now that he's, uh, Don Pardo died. So Yeah, so that, that's that's why I kind of alluded to that. But, like, yeah, Keenan makes sense. He's still funny on his, his – uh, his appearance in the, the uh, advertising sketch with Chappelle was, was really funny. Yeah. There's, there's um, a couple episodes where they joke around about how like Lauren Michaels has seated control of the show to Keenan. <laughs> so. It's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean like, I, I don't know. My, my, my biggest complaint for SNL for the past couple of years has been, it seems like that they really, really lean in on that opening bit and, the amount of special guests they have coming in and out has increased over time. I don't feel like they give the new cast members a chance to actually flex their comedy muscles. Like I only know about Pete Davidson, not because of SNL. I know of him because of um, the thing he had with, he had a relationship with Ariana Grande and then it it kind of imploded or whatever, but also Judd Apatow like connected with him at that point and they made King of Staten Island, which I still have yet to see. But um, so like, I didn't even, get to know Pete Davidson on SNL. Like I had to learn about him through tabloids, which kind of sucks. So, and I feel like it's because I only see SNL being propped up or talked about in regards to the amounts of sketches where they have guest stars coming in and out, you know, like nobody's allowed to do their own impression of a, of a current figure anymore. They have to get like a guest star to do it, which I kind of, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, a lot of the episodes I watched, uh, yeah, there would be, like, the opening monologue, you know, some other person you'd expect to be with would show up. Um, but for the most part, the most recent cast, like, there's probably the least amount of turnover ever um, of any yeah. of the cast in the last 10 years. Like, a lot of the people who are on there now have been there for, like, 10 or 11, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and there's, a lot, like, a lot of the, like, I usually skip the, like, the political openings because they're, like, 15 minutes long. 
like that's way too long for like an introduction to the show like yeah it's supposed to be a cold open i mean you do that in like i don't know three to five minutes maybe yeah that's that's about how long they used to be back in the 80s 90s and 2000s so you know, I mean, yeah. I think it's just because everything's so political now that they know that that's the stuff that people are going to stick around to watch. Yeah. But my favorite sketches are just the random silliness. Like, uh, there's a string of Will Ferrell is like this doctor, like this insane doctor. And like a couple just come in trying to get like a pregnancy result. And it almost feels like they're just improvising the whole sketch. Um, yeah. And then anytime anyone breaks, like, it's just the best. <laughs> Oh yeah. Like you can watch like some of the cast members trying to get people to snap and it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the best. So anyway, yeah, that's, uh, that's why I watched this week. It really, I didn't. Corinne. Well, I haven't been on in a while, so I've watched a lot, but I will, uh, I'll just hit the highlights here. So the longer you talk and distract me, the longer it will take me to get through my list. So are you saying that to me, Corinne? Yeah. I'm saying that mostly to you, Ryan, because you're the one who always derails me. Yep. We'll say something in, that I won't have to derail you for, and then uh, I won't have to. Hey, Ryan, it's my turn to derail her now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So I think last time I was on, I had, t- I had told you that I would let you know how season four of Kim's Convenience turned out. I'll just say it's great, obviously, just like the rest of the show. Um, again, I think like that first season was the strongest, but like the other seasons are still good. Um, it ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Like there's all these plot lines that start developing in the, over the course of the last few episodes of the season. And so then it's like, Oh my gosh, like what happened? Like what, what's going on with Mrs. Kim and her, and her health and like what everything's like crazy and then I'm like, okay, so are we going to get more seasons? And sure enough, this show has been renewed for two more seasons. Um, it is on a Canadian uh, TV channel. So I don't know when it's going to be on Netflix, but it's got a premiere on that TV channel first. But incidentally, the guy who plays The Sun was cast in that um, the MCU movie with the... It's like can't remember the name of it the Gang something G. with the, yes 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 he's that he's that guy so that's kind of cool it's like he's going to be this big name now once the the movie comes out nice we'll know who he is and it's like i watched him on kim's convenience like i you know i'm a hipster <laughs> i was into him before it was cool and it was funny i'll get into it a little bit later but the Mandalorian, one of the new episodes, um, the guy who plays Mr. Kim, the dad, um, had like a small appearance on it. And I was like, oh, it's Mr. Kim. And I was really excited. <laughs> so <laughs> great show. I highly recommend everybody check it out. It's just something um, happy and funny to watch in this time of just crappiness. So check it out. Kim's Convenience on Netflix. I also watched another really awesome and funny show. It's an anime, a shoujo anime. It's called Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. It's only like 8, 12 episodes, something like that. It's really short, um, but it's really, really funny. If you do watch it, I recommend you watch it in the English dub because I think it's funnier that way. Um, It's about a bunch of high schoolers, and the main guy writes a shoujo manga, 
and he gets like all of his friends to help him with it. And then they all have like little adventures and misunderstandings and shenanigans that go on. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud on several occasions. So it's just something to, to warm your heart. Um, as I said, I've been watching the new episodes in The Mandalorian. It's great. I'm really excited to have it back. I really liked this most recent episode where, okay, I'm going to get into some spoilers here. So if you don't want any spoilers for The Mandalorian. Uh, how later. many spoilers are you getting into, Corinne? I'm an episode behind. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about the newest episode, episode three. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, plug your ears for a second, okay? Or you don't have to spoil stuff. You just tell us if it's good. Mm, too bad. I'm going to say it anyway. But yes, it was good. Brad Muter. It was a little too short. I was hoping for a bit more um, a bit more time between Mando and the other Mandalorians. And I got to say, for like a 50-something-year-old woman, Bo-Katan looks really, really good. I so, think Katie Sackhoff's 50. No, she's 40. I looked it up. She's not that old. But, I mean, it's kind of nice that they had that continuity of, like, she got to voice the character for the animated shows, and now she gets to play her in the live action. I was like, okay, so that's really cool. But then I'm like, hmm, Bo-Katan's supposed to be, like, 50. <laughs> and she's definitely not 50 in the show. I mean, she she looks, like, the same that she did in The Clone Wars. So can, can we give her, like, a few gray hairs or something? Uh, maybe age in the Star Wars universe isn't quite... Uh, the scale that uh, we have here on Earth. I mean, Yoda's 800 years old, and, you know, he's not a I skeleton. Know, I mean, Bo-Katan in The Mandalorian is supposed to be the same age that Leia is in the new trilogy, so... Eh. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, Mandalorian, new episodes are great. I definitely did not appreciate that one with all the, like, ice spiders. Ugh. I'm never going to rewatch that episode again. Ugh. Ryan, if you feel slighted by hearing anything in advance, just know I still haven't watched the show, so I'm, like, getting getting premonitions from the future on a show I haven't watched yet. Well, I'm, I'm not listening to the clip. Episode, Cover your okay. ears. <laughs> not my fault. Um, okay, uh, real quick, I want to say... The Inuyasha sequel, Hanyo no Yashihime, I think it's starting to kind of straighten itself out. We've spent a little bit more time with the characters. Um, they're all, like, in the same location. We've got, like, the kind of running premise of, like, Monster of the Week, and they have to, like, go and slay the monster or whatever. Um, so we got that premise set up. But also next week's episode, or rather this Saturday's episode, looks oh my gosh, we're finally going to get some answers as to what happened to the original cast because, like, they're all still MIA. And it's like, oh, finally, 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 we get some answers around here. So hopefully it doesn't disappoint me, but I'm afraid it will. Um, and then two more things. I did not see Freaky in theaters this weekend, but I did go back to the theaters to see something else. I went to see the new um, animated movie, Wolf Walkers, and it was excellent. I really recommend everybody go watch it. Yes, from the people who did The Secret of Kells and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same people who did Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. Um, Don't watch the trailer first because the trailer spoils a bunch of stuff. I purposely did not watch the trailer because I was like, I want to go into it with, like, no expectations. I don't even want to know the plot or, or the cast or anything like that. 
and I had a lot of fun. There were a lot of like really cool revelations and developments that happened in the movie. And I was like, I was really invested. Um, admittedly, it does take a little bit to get going. I was like, okay, where, where are we going with this? Like the first third of it. But then once like the first big thing happens, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Like sign me the fuck up for the rest of this movie. Um, it, the Sean Bean is uh, one of the cast members. He's probably like the most recognizable cast member. So really, really good movie. Uh, animation's beautiful, voice cast did an excellent job, especially the kids. Um, there are a couple of kid, I don't know if the actors are kids, but at least the characters are. They sound like kids, so anyway. I, I don't want to say too much to spoil anything. So cause... you'll spoil The Mandalorian for me, but you won't spoil this movie? Cool. Grand, thanks. I, that's your own damn fault, Ryan. You it's not my fault. You could have you could have shown some restraint. No, I'm gonna talk about it. Y'all spoil shit for me all the time. No, spoil this fucking movie because I don't care about it. <laughs> no, I just do what I do. And that you like Song of the Sea. I do. I, I love Song of the like Sea. It's beautiful. I think you would like it. It's really good. I'm sorry, Brad. What were you saying? I was saying just do what I do and tune, tune out by uh, doing paperwork for your 48 hour film. No. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> First, you got to make a 48 hour film, Ryan. <laughs> I'll send you some uh, <laughs> word docs and you can just click away at it while she's talking. <laughs> All right. My last thing I wanted to talk about is that guess what, Ryan? The blacklist premiered on Friday. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Ryan's in a coma. Someone called 911. <laughs> this real nerd. This is movies, not TV. <laughs> Too bad. It's what I've watched. It's not what movies have I been watching, Ryan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to change the name so I never have to deal with this shit again. Corinne, Corinne you need just to... talk for like 10 minutes about SNL clips. Yeah, because we haven't talked about that ever. I'm pretty sure we could have like a five-hour episode of The Blacklist. I was surprised we talked that long about SNL. Like I, I went to the episode thinking like, oh, this will be quick because I'll just be like, I didn't watch anything and move on. And everybody's <laughs> like, no, I like this particular season and here's why. Let's all get all our feelings about SNL for the past <laughs> 40 years out in the open. <laughs> and Brad, it was good therapy. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, what'd you watch this week? No, I didn't no, talk about let, it. Fucking mute hurt, Brad. <laughs> Corinne, what's going on with James Spader? Is he still trying to kill the Avengers? What's going on here? Kill the Avengers? Oh yeah, remember he was Ultron. You remember that movie? Okay. Came out what five years ago? No, longer. I don't know. This uh, this whole year <laughs> felt like a decade unto itself. Okay, I'll be quick. It was really, really stupid, as expected. Liz kissed wrestler. I yelled at the so loud that my roommate was like, um, are you okay? Uh, oh my gosh. It was just the most convoluted plan. And now Liz has sided with her mom in this whole like feud between her mom and Red. And I guess the preview for next episode, Katarina shows up and she's talking to Red. She's like, isn't it awesome that she chose me over you? Oh, you must feel like shit. <sighs> But I did want to mention, 
as expected, they did not incorporate the pandemic into the show's universe. Um, there was actually a shot where Liz is in front of the FBI building, and it is just painfully obvious that it's CG. And I'm like, yeah, because they had to CG that shot, because if they had shot it live, everybody would have been wearing masks and stuff. So, just goes to show you that, I don't know. <laughs> Should have ended two, really two seasons ago. Show's really dumb. I mean, What's I get it. Not everybody's going to want to incorporate it into the into their plot lines, but... Corinne, how many seasons is it on right now? It's on the eighth season. Okay, so if they get to a ninth season, I'll just wait for the clip show that plays uh, Good Riddance, The Time of Your Life during the montage of it. You know, that's that'll catch me up right quick. That's a Seinfeld reference, guys. <laughs> I remember they did have a clip show back in season two. <laughs> that's like, bizarre. Let's recap. I don't know why we did this now, but... All right, I'll shut up now. But anyway, Blacklist is still terrible. Don't watch it ever. Garbage. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Zach, go ahead. All righty. Um, uh, so I watched a couple of things. Um, I uh, did a recording for yesteryear on It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. So I had to, so I had to rewatch the movie. I ended up rewatching both the uh, theatrical cut and the um, restoration cut in two different sittings. And um, I, I, you know, like I, I Wait, know Zach, what? what's the difference between the theatrical and the restoration cut. So the restoration cut has to do with the fact that when they first premiered this film, it was set at about 192 minutes and they had to keep cutting it down before the general theatrical release. So what you have with the restoration cut via criterion is you have a uh, conglomeration of footage that they tracked from different sources, including um, uh, different laser disc releases, different foreign um, releases that had extra footage incorporated and moments where they don't have the visual element, but they have the sound. So they use production stills combined with these lost soundtracks that they reincorporated into the film according to the original shooting script. So the restoration, I, I mean, I, I said it before on this show years ago, like I, I, I don't think it's entirely necessary, but I enjoyed watching certain sections of it because there are, there is the there are moments with Buster Keaton in it that were supposed to be a little bit more prevalent that aren't present in the theatrical cut. Um, but in terms of that movie in general, like it's still a fucking blast. I mean, like this is a movie that has the audacity to show Jimmy Durante literally kicking the bucket as he dies. Um, and uh, I actually liked because I was doing production research on it. Um, Carl Reiner actually fit very heavily into it because he. <laughs> He talked about the fact he he's in the movie for a for a good two minutes. He plays an air traffic controller who's trying to get Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney down um, in the plane that they're attempting to land. And there's a shot where Buddy Hackett, the plane is coming in on the runway and it nearly clips Carl Reiner. So he tells the story is that he he's so far away from the camera that he jokingly yelled out makeup, you know, cause like nobody's going to see him that close up. Right guys. Um, and then as the plane flew by for the shot and nearly clipped him and got so close um, as the plane went away, Carl Reiner just yelled out underwear <laughs> to indicate that he had nearly shit his pants. Um, so uh, yeah, it, 
it's a, still a wonderful film. Uh, the episode that we recorded on it is about as long as the theatrical cut of the movie itself. So I'm looking forward to releasing that. Um, and actually speaking of that show, the next episode that'll be coming out will be Ryan's episode where we talk about Mr. Lucky and the awful truth. Um, and then I actually ended up recording a Shamley supplement on high anxiety. Um, the Mel Brooks film. That's an homage to Hitchcock. So I rewatched high anxiety. Uh, that movie's still fucking wonderful. Still has one of my favorite songs of all time, which is high anxiety, the theme for high anxiety. Um, and uh, just, just a fucking blast of a movie like that. That movie knows how to be a Hitchcock movie without having to have Hitchcock in the room. Um, it, it, there's just the, the, the psycho homage, Ryan, Ryan, have you seen high anxiety? I have. Yeah. The psych, the, you know, the psycho homage that I'm talking about with the newspaper, right? Yeah. That, that, that scene still fucking cracks me up. Not because it's an homage to psycho, but so the guy who they, it, the scene is, is that, um, uh, Mel Brooks's character is checking into a hotel. He really wants a newspaper to find out more on the information of this murder of a person that worked at his Institute. So he tells a bellboy to get the paper and it's played by Barry Levinson, future writer and director of rain man. And Barry Levinson is like very uh, temperamental, like easily, easily ticked off about it. And when Brooks keeps reminding him about the paper, he just gets more annoyed and more annoyed. And then finally they, they come to the psycho moment where Mel Brooks gets in the shower and then the bellboy played by Barry Levinson comes in and starts stabbing Mel Brooks with the newspaper going, here, here's your paper, here's your paper, here's your paper. Happy now, happy, happy now. It's the it's some of the most beautiful yelling delivery you'll ever hear comes out of Barry Levinson's mouth. It's friggin' wonderful. Um, and that actually led me to rewatch Silent Movie later on that night, which uh, I'm surprised that movie doesn't get talked about as much as it should because i think it's it's such an adorable movie that that he made in between young frankenstein and high anxiety where it's very much of its era there's some title cards that obviously do not work today but that movie is still a a loving homage to that era but also it's just a damn funny movie like they're trying to collect all these different um movie stars to be in the silent movie to save uh, the uh, the the movie studio that Sid Caesar runs in the movie, and when they go to try to get Burt Reynolds, um, they they pull up to his house. They don't know where where Burt Reynolds' house is, and then Marty Feldman points to a big mansion right across from them, and the mansion just says Burt Reynolds, <laughs> and it has a big portrait of Burt Reynolds on the front of it. It, it. This movie is still wonderful. It still works. That score by John Morris is a fantastic score. Um, and it has Carol Arthur in it, the late Carol Arthur, who passed away not too long ago. She plays a pregnant woman who uh, gets in their car at the beginning of the movie. And uh, because she's pregnant, the car tilts back and it's doing a wheelie throughout the streets. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I rewatched Young Frankenstein and this whole uh, trek on it. And um, that that's a perfect movie. That's just a perfect movie. There's nothing I can say about Young Frankenstein that hasn't already been said before. Mm-hmm apart from the fact that I really, really enjoyed watching Marty Feldman this time around as I, as I generally do, but like just watching everything he does physically is, is just straight up an homage to Buster Keaton and his kind of like style of movement that he did in his films. Like there's, there's just a, just an authenticity that Marty Feldman had that I don't think uh, a lot of actors of his era did. And it's a shame that he died as young as he did. Um, 
And then uh, for Film Club, we watched A Slight Case of Murder. Uh, that's a, it's a movie where Edward G. Robinson plays a bootlegger who goes legit after prohibition is repealed. And uh, he's on the verge of losing everything because his beer is garbage. <laughs> and nobody has the heart to tell him that his beer is garbage. Meanwhile, he uh, throws, a par- th- throws a party and gets involved in various different schemes involving adopting children and uh, trying to uh, obtain the money to save his business. Uh, It's if you ever needed proof that Edward G. Robinson was a great comic actor, you should just watch this and brother orchid. And that'll be all the proof you ever needed. Like he has wonderful timing. It's amazing. Um, And then, um, and I, and and I had rewatched that movie, watched that movie for the first time a couple of years ago and talked about on this show it's one of those films that you're not expecting it to be as funny as it is. And it's got like literally every gangster actor in the genre. Um, and then I wrapped up my thin man series rewatch. Um, so I watched the thin man goes home. Um, yet another mystery that Nick Charles has to solve with Nora and Asta at his side. Uh, but this time in the thin man goes home, Nick Charles has to do this sober. He cannot have a drink because he doesn't want to give the fa- his father the impression that he is still a party boy, but he clearly is. So throughout this whole movie, Nick Charles is drinking cider while solving this mystery of who killed somebody literally at the doorstep of the Charles estate. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the weaker films. Like, these films get weaker as they go on, technically, but there's still good moments in them. There's a good moment with Nora trailing somebody she thinks is the killer. And you get a lot of like in the window gags and like her starting a brawl in a pool room. Like it's still blasted. There's also a scene. Myrtle Loy is a genius. There's a scene where they're outside of uh, Charles, the, the Charles's parents' front yard and she's wrestling with an, uh, with a uh, lawn chair and trying to get it to stick up. And it's just some beautiful physical comedy from Myrna Loy. It's, it's, it's still a wonderful moment. Uh, and then before we started recording, I watched Song of the Thin Man, which is the final in the series. Uh, this one, it's clear that the series has run out of steam. But I, I'd forgotten about this. One of the things that I liked about it initially was that th- the whole series is predicated on the fact that Nick Charles doesn't want to do anything except live in retirement with his wife and her money because it's a little joke that they have within their marriage. But Nora's always trying to get him to solve a mystery in the beginning of this film. It's indicated that Nora does not want to even have anything to do with murder mysteries until when one happens, then she just says, Oh, you've got to do it. And I'm like, well, I love the idea of Nora being virtually tired of solving all these mysteries because throughout the series, she has, seen what getting into these mysteries uh brings with it um but this is a formula in the 40s it's not going to change um everybody's still on their game in terms of their roles in the in the series but they're not um there's it's not the same so it's it it ends pretty much where it needs to um but it's still fun each of those films regardless of where the quality lies you still get powell and loy in their banter and it's just wonderful um and then uh, the last thing I watched was uh, apparently a short film that I made um, and released over the week has been getting lovely response. So oh that was God, nice Zach. to see. What? <sighs> Not, he's being an asshole. 
Oh yeah, because we talked about Brad's earlier in the show, so I figured it was only fair that I could mention mine. But um, yeah, no, that, yeah, it was thing nice I this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's another thing I watched this week. Oh well. Oh, I guess you can. I guess you can just ignore it, like you do everything. But I didn't watch it because wow, I don't fire. care. Ooh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, oh, Ryan, I just, <laughs> I just got Ryan's response to my <laughs> tweet on yesteryear. Um, but yeah, no, it was very nice to see it. I had never done a movie like that before, um, so it was very um, not the black and white thing, but the relationship drama thing. Um, but Risa Scott and Hayden Winston um, encouraged me to do it uh, early on. And we shot it in September. We took a, we took a month to get everything down from the sound design to the edit. And I'm very, very happy with the, with the result. So everybody kicked ass on that set. It was wonderful. Um, and uh, I, 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 I I hope I didn't depress anybody with it. I sent Ryan a text with a link to it saying, I'm sorry, this isn't black and white. <laughs> what I should have also said was, I'm sorry, this is also depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's all I watched this week. Cool. Uh, yeah. For some reason um, this week, I decided I was going to watch a few things. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I, I've been, I went through all the Friday the 13th. Uh, I just need to watch the remake. And when you watch them back to 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 back. That's a lot of backs. Yeah. You can see the ones that are better made, the ones that are edited better, the ones that just keep your interest longer. I'll probably do a ranking of them after rewatching them in that manner. Because stuff like I think part two stands out to me as being pretty unrelenting at the end. Um, and yeah, it was lo- it's lots of fun. It's taken me a long time to go through the bonus features because I-, I don't even know how many hours there are of them. Um, so yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, and I-, I learned that being Crosby's son is in the first Friday the 13th. Yeah, and- Harry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does he get killed with a sack of oranges? Oh God! Oh my God, Brad! <laughs> it won't leave a bruise, and I'll let him know who's boss. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> oh my God! Nice um, the the, uh, the on the Crystal Lake box set, or the Crystal Lake doc, they talked about how apparently, like, it was just after Bing had died, and so yeah, he, he died was still seventy-seven, and yeah, so he was still kind of reeling from his father's death, which I would imagine. So yeah, yeah it's the first time I've seen him and do an interview. Um, his interview is kind of funny though, because he doesn't remember anything from the shoot. Um, <laughs> Brad, have you watched that bonus feature? No, it's funny. He go, he'll say, "Yeah, you know, I was, I was really grateful for the opportunity," and uh, and uh, yeah, I don't remember uh, how it happened, and then. He'll say other things about his career. And then he says, yeah, I don't remember in Friday the 13th how this happened. It's pretty funny. Um, I mean, it's been 41 years. But uh, so that's fun. Um, I watched uh, Searching with uh, John Cho. Um, oh, yeah. Ooh. I saw that at the drive-in, like, what, three years ago? Yeah, it's uh, way better than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, it's one of those movies that... Uh, you know, if I, sometimes I go to Best Buy and they have movies that are four ninety nine. I say this all the time. And I heard that that movie is pretty good. So I was like, you know what? Might as well get it and check it out. And it is really good. Uh, John Cho's daughter goes missing and he starts learning all this other stuff about her. He starts unraveling this mystery that maybe she isn't the person that he, she thinks she is. Um, 
And it's, what's really cool is it's all played out in social media and um, through like text messages and FaceTime and news reports. And it's a really interesting way to make a film. And the bonus features are cool because the director and writer of it used to work at Google and he had the idea for the movie um, to make it that way. And he actually shot the whole movie with him playing every part before he went and shot the movie. So when he put in the real actors, it's kind really- of like a test run or something. Yeah. And- or like a demo. Like Yeah. But he did the whole movie. And when, so when he, so basically what he did when he had the actor shoot it, he just put them in the screen instead of himself. So he already had the movie done. Uh, it's a really fascinating movie. Uh, Brad, did you like it? Yeah. Um, like I said, it was a, uh... It was just really clever. Like you, you think that something that's just played out in like FaceTime and yeah, social media would be kind of like cheesy, but it's it's actually a pretty good mystery and it's told really well through those devices. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, they haven't done something like that during the pandemic. It seems like it'd be perfect for it. They yeah. have. There's been horror films that have been released, oh. but not 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 oh, like well, horror films. How would I know about that? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, no, I, I was impressed. Um, it's uh, it's actually a pretty good movie. I I was a little disappointed how it was it was resolved. Um, yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't remember. How yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna spoil it because <laughs> it's important to not know how this spoil movie it. Spoil plays. It. Nope. Um, but it's really it's still I mean the mystery's still fun though. Um, I watched uh, Becky, which is a home invasion movie from this year that has Joel McHale in it and um kevin james and it's lulu wilson um is becky um i liked it more than henry did but uh it's about uh a father and a daughter and their mom has passed away and she's been dead for a year or two and they go to their cabin and becky is introduced to his dad's soon-to-be fiance and so she's not ready to say goodbye to her mom. She passed away from cancer and she runs away and goes into her like little tr- clubhouse treehouse kind of thing. And while she's there, um, bad guys break into their home and um, things happen. And then Becky decides she's going to have revenge on them and kills them in really brutal ways. I not, a very deep movie, but it, the, the soundtrack's really fun, and um, I had lots of fun watching it. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. No, but, I've heard of it, though. Yeah, it's... I have not heard of it. Uh, it's not your kind of movie, Corinne. <laughs> Is it my kind of movie, Ryan? Yeah, I think you would like it. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, it's just a kind of a different thing, and it's by the guys who made Cooties, so if you've seen Cooties... Ooh! Um, I'm down. Yeah, you know, there's some funny things in it. I mean, I got cooties one time. Does that count? (laughs) Yeah. Don't be kissing people on the playground. Um, (laughs) I I also watched The Babysitter, Killer Queen, which is a sequel to The Babysitter. Um, The first Babysitter movie was better than I thought it was going to be. Basically, it's these babysitters that are uh, part of a satanic cult, and they have to sacrifice people. Directed by probably the greatest film director from the 2000s, Mick G. Oh, um, God damn it, Ryan. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and the second, it's still, it's pretty funny. It's really gory. Um, towards the end, the story, I kind of 
lose like it loses steam but it's still fun it's not great but when you stay up till three in the morning because you work and then on days you don't work you have a hard time going to sleep you know there's worse things to put on gotcha uh i also watched uh the 2020 mulan which is um a really fun um whatever corinne um it's a fun movie uh it's nicely shot um yeah i mean it's not um it's not the best disney live action remake i still think it's cinderella if i had to pick one um but i mean it, it this action it's pretty spectacular it's shot really well um it gets the the point of mulan across really well i i never thought mulan was a great animated film anyways i thought it was a good one um and yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, the the steel book is beautiful. If you're gonna buy it, uh, get the steel book. It's uh, watercolor kind of um, design. It's a lot like uh, the Black Panther one, the original Black Panther. If anybody remembers that. Uh, and the uh, the last thing I watched was Ben Affleck in The Way Back, which um, you're, you're ahead of me. Oh yeah, I watched yeah. that too. <laughs> I, I really like this movie. Um, it's it's a kind of a tough movie to watch because it's it's another one of those movies where kind of like Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, where you expect him to make better decisions, but he never does. Mm-hmm. Um, in the film, Ben Affleck plays a a guy who's an alcoholic and is, I guess, a dock worker, um, and he used to be a huge basketball star at his old uh, Catholic high school. And they ask him if he'll come and coach the team and he decides he's going to do it. And as he coaches the team, he starts to kind of rehabilitate himself. Um, You know, he also has an estranged wife. Um, I'm not going to tell you why they're estranged because that'd be a spoiler. So um, I'm going to do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, But it's Ben Affleck (laughs) is really, really great in this movie. Um, Every time you feel like it's going to go into a sport movie cliche, it kind of veers away from it. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty hard to watch uh, Ben Affleck's character with his alcoholism mm-hmm. because he says horrible things and he does horrible things and he expects it to go away and he plays it off like everything's okay. And it's uh, it's a really powerful movie. Uh, Brad, did you like it? Uh, I should clarify. I start. I I caught on HBO while I was uh, on a work trip, and I I came in when one of the kids on the team like is late for the. Uh, oh my god! Right. What do they call practice? Yes, <laughs> um, and so he gets dismissed, and yeah. so I watched everything from then on. Did I miss a lot? Uh, I think you missed about forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, forty. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was surprised by this. You know the structure of it and that's you know me having only i guess missed 40 minutes of it but it definitely didn't it didn't feel like a beginning middle and end act thing because yeah. of how it ends like it's yeah you know I, i'm so trained to expect the the story to go through the the basketball games yeah it's really not and you know there's really like there's really no traditional ending to it because he yeah. doesn't like playing basketball doesn't turn him around no, there's yeah, there's no there's no resolution to the story. Yeah, 
And, you know, there's, he's so good that there's this one scene uh, where he's in a hospital and he sees something and it breaks him and he is, man, it's, um, it's pretty powerful. So if, it's on HBO max right now. Um, I recommend everybody check out the way back. It might right. make my film explosion list. These are for something that's happening in six weeks. I remember Brad talking about it a couple weeks ago and I put it on hold at the library for that reason. So I'm that's interested to check it out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, because like I said, it, it sometimes might veer into cliches, but then the turns it takes with the cliches is what you don't expect. And that's why I kind of really like this movie. Yeah, every time I was excited to actually watch the, the basketball games play out, I was a little bummed about like, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is a dramatic movie that's not about kids succeeding at basketball. That's no, it. it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not him necessarily fixing the basketball team. It's him fixing himself. And yeah, um, and he's amazing. I've been saying it for years that Ben Affleck's a way better character than anybody, uh, actor than anybody gives him credit for. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I still think he's an awesome Bruce Wayne I think he's awesome in Argo, um, Goodwill Hunting, and he he's really funny. Um, well, he's the I common wish... Phantom, you, Phantom too. Oh, dude, fucking Phantom's like a motherfucker. What's up um, now? <laughs> I mean, I so I mean that's a great thing. Like he's really funny in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as himself twice. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, what yeah. about G Jiggly or whatever? G G G whatever Gigli. the hell that yeah that Geely is not his fault yeah and it's you know that movie gets a lot of crap it's not good and I'll never watch it again but it's not a train wreck like it's not unwatchable it's just yeah. there's a lot of choices in Geely that are made that I don't think you should have made they, they were wrong headed in 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 a like eighty years removed way like it's really yeah. strange. And it's yeah. Martin Bress, so I don't understand how that happened, but... Yep. Anywho. Yep. And that's what I watched this week. Uh, this week, we went to Alamo Draft House, some of us, and saw Freaky. Zach, should people see Freaky? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I think you should. This, this, this movie was a lot of fun. Uh, the trailer... Uh, the trailer honestly kind of had me rolling my eyes because I was like, I, okay. And another gimmicky uh, attempt at a horror movie, but I sort of said that about happy death day and was gladly proven wrong. So I went into this, I had such a blast. I think this is the best Vince Vaughn movie I've seen in a while. Um, and I like uh, the gal, Catherine Newton who plays um who like both of them get to double duty up um, as different versions of themselves. And I, I just had a blast with that. I think Christopher Landon's a really good director from, from, from his track record thus far with me with the happy death day movies and this, and even his paranormal activity is, is fun too. So like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I would definitely check this out. It's a lot of fun. And I saw it in Dolby Atmos. So it, it sounded incredible. It was like a nice, good horror film experience. So, Brad? Yeah, it wasn't as much fun as I wanted it to be. Um, it, like, there's just some confusing choices I think were just made for the sake of the gag rather than the story. Um, like, there's just like a lot of decisions characters make just feel like they're done because the director wants them to happen, and they really make sense to the story. So, uh, and I, I didn't think the humor was 
quite as sharp as say like a Shaun of the Dead or something. So um, yeah, it's all right for me. Uh, yeah, I think I'm more in the Zach's boat. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Um, it's what's really cool is it seems uh, looking at movies that are coming in the pipeline that slasher films might be making a resurgence. And uh, I, I hope they do because they're fun. And here's a trailer for Freaky. Good morning. Good morning. That's me, Millie. Ordinary, boring Millie. I love your dress. I think I saw it at Discount Bonanza. <laughs> okay, so I was never the most popular. Homecoming's this weekend. Booker is gonna be at the dance. And boys never really noticed me. <laughs> Honestly, if this was a horror movie, I'd be one of the first ones to get killed. You, the creepy dude in the mask. Like I said. <laughs> but actually, it turns out. Where am I? I didn't get killed. Oh my god, why do I sound like that? I woke up in the killer's body. The Blissfield Butcher strikes again. Don't freak out. You're black! I'm gay! We are so dead! Ow! Will you stop? It's me, it's Millie! Hill, Hill, Blissfield, I feel our glory and our might. Oh my god! And not only is that psycho wearing my body, he's killing it. He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Who knows how many of our friends he's gonna kill? Are you sure this is safe? No. Oh my god, it's a slaughterhouse. I have like less than six hours to swap back or I'm gonna be stuck in this body forever. Hurry up, loser, I gotta take a dump. I have to admit, it hasn't been all bad. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't mean to interrupt. I... Move! How's that feel? I'll make you wish your stupid face was never born. Oh my god, did you just pee yourself? Yeah! Whoa, what am I wearing? I'm actually really liking this for you. Gonna get killed by murder, Barbie. I can't wait to kill you. Time to stop this asshole. We're in this together. I want my body back. Come and get it. Look, I know I look like the butcher, but it's Millie. He's crazy. Okay, Booker, can you look at me, please? Booker! Dry up, bitch. Booker, help! Booker! Will you shut up? <laughs> Booker! Yeah, you know, when I went to the... Brad, did you see it at the Alamo? No, at AMC. Uh, the Alamo was awesome. They played, like, nothing but a bunch of... Uh, well, they had, obviously, Freaky Friday and, you know, like, Father Like Son, like, cheesy 80s movies. But then they played tons of horror, like, trailers from this 80s. It was awesome. Uh, anyways, uh, in it, this uh, serial killer who's a lot like Jason. Um, yeah. <laughs> even breaks through the door like Jason. I know. It's it awesome. Same, even has the um, same fonts as Jason. <laughs> uh, he is killing people all around town. And he um, attempts to kill uh, Millie, who is the main character at 
the football game afterwards. She's the dancing beaver. But he uses this knife that he stole from this art collector's house. And when he stabs her, they switch bodies. And yeah, that's the premise. So now the serial killer is in this petite blonde-headed girl in high school. And the petite blonde-headed girl is now in like 6'5 Vince Vaughn. Um, And they have to find a way to switch bodies back and carnage and hilarity ensues. Brian, can we talk about Vince Vaughn as a, as a, as a slasher killer? Pretty good. He's great. Right. Like in those, in that psycho remake. So you know why he never worked in the psycho remake is he's too big to play Norman Bates. He's too big. And I, I mean, he's, He's not the problem with the Psycho remake. I'll put it that way. Um, but no, Coming him from Scream Factory Crypt by me. Uh, <laughs> of the Psycho remake. You should have. I, I or should do Fred a- Claus. I mean, have you seen that movie? It's pretty terrifying. Uh, does he kill Paul Giamatti in that movie? <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> this is nothing against Paul Giamatti. I just think that would be an interesting thing to happen. Um, no, but his his presence in those in that opening and then in, in the ending sequences, he is. He is a stalker killer. Like he is doing a really good job with it. I mean, like aside from the fact that he's basically only wearing a hobo's t-shirt, he is fucking dominating those scenes. Like, was there a lot of people at the theater when you guys saw it? Uh, no. Well, I went to Dolby Atmos, so it wasn't that packed to begin with. But yes. the one, the show mine I was, was mine was, and uh, what I really liked about it is. Uh, the first real kill in the film is when he jams this wine bottle down this kid's throat. Oh, dude. Yeah, I was excited. I was like, wow, they're actually, like, this movie actually might have some inventive stuff. Yeah, and I, I remember my audience, was, my, mine was pretty full, and uh, my audience screamed when it happened. So um, but then I, they do I, stuff like there's a cryogenics chamber in, like, a high school athletics, like, department uh, no that's not a cryogenic uh what's it's uh it's like a thermo yeah like, it's a new thing that athletes use it's yeah, um, thermo thermocool it's supposed to yeah, uh yeah. laura just told me it's cryotherapy yeah yeah really yeah but in like an average high school like I, i'd expect like a college or something because you know it's almost pro sports but you know maybe this is one of those schools that just plays balls so well that they're able to just squeeze in a little bit of that extra technology in there. like the liability that comes with having a device that could freeze you almost like liquid nitrogen <laughs> but 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 brad it's school. okay but brad it's okay it goes to the athletic department because they get all the money did you no. see their theater set it looks like garbage compared to their athletic department no. did you guys see jason x they just got it from yep that's also another thing like this movie is kind of homaging <laughs> friday the 13th kills um but yeah no so i i think people have gotten used to pg-13 horror films and um, yeah and so uh, even so they they're expecting toned down violence and like i said so he killed that uh dude that way and uh the rest of the kills were pretty brutal in the opening oh yeah (laughs) and i don't think people were prepared for it (laughs) and uh so it was it it was pretty fun um the the impression that i got from the trailer was that it was going to be pg-13 i didn't even bother to look at the rating so like you know, when you told me it was rated R before going to the movie, I was like, oh, well, well, let's see how this plays out. And like, 
there's everything there's everything from you know premarital sex all the way down to wine bottles being shoved up down people's throats like i was like oh wow this is an actual slasher movie this is awesome um I mean, not to say the Happy Death Day isn't, but that's more of like a mystery movie to my mind. Um, oh yeah, no, I agree. Um, um, but anyway, I was I was gonna say though, like the the um, once they get into Freaky Friday mode, the one thing that I was worried about was that okay, the comedy tone's gonna overtake the slasher elements that have been working so well. But I shouldn't have been led down that path because he already sets it up with such brutal like kills. Once she. Uh, it, when, once they've switched sides and Catherine Newton is getting into kill mode, she is merciless. Not even it, like, you know, I mean, the cryogenic one is, you know, it's a Jason kill. But like when she goes wailing on that teacher, like that is some wonderful, wonderful slasher moments you there. Know, and one of the things I like, too, that the movie played with is, you know, Vince Vaughn as the killer is used to being this big, super strong dude. Mm-hmm. And then she gets her ass kicked and... Mm-hmm. Uh, he has to learn to not, he can't overpower people like he did before. Yeah, he's using different tech. It, he has to use different techniques within this. Like, there's uh, there's some and there's some wonderful setup moments and like how it works with like the 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 opposing situations where like I mean when she's in um, uh, the, the 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 Hillbrook slash what's what's the name of their town. Like Blissville Slasher or the yep. Blissville Killer, or whatever. Uh, he, um, uh, she's she's getting a sense of empowerment that she's never felt before, and then they use the imagery. I love this. They use the imagery of um, Catherine Newton as the killer in that scene when she gets led into the alley with those three other jocks, and then she just wails on him with a fucking chainsaw. Like that, there's some like wonderful like moments in there that just. I just wasn't expecting it to go as far as it did. Like I thought this would be pretty held back, but Landon apparently decided to blow everybody's minds away. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's also the, the scene with uh, her, she has two friends in the movie. One of them's a, a, a gay fella and uh, they've already gotten her tied, her as the killer tied in the chair and the scene with his mother coming in on them it's a fun comedic moment at first, but then once she breaks free from that chair, like there's a, there was a lot of tension in my theater. Like I, I, there was like a good yelp or two because she was cut, like, she was just chasing him down the hall and then the knife coming through the door, which has been done to death, but it worked in this movie. Um, yeah. It is. And there's also practical effects in here. Like there's practical blood, there's practical gore. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. Like I said, um, I, I know Brad, maybe you can, attest this to i think people have gotten soft on horror because the i mean the violence in it i mean i'm used to it but my audience reacted really strong to the violence in it mm-hmm. um, i was in a room of two other people so i didn't um <laughs> yeah but i mean i, I mean I guess, maybe it's because they went into it thinking it was going to be more of a comedy because i think that's how the trailer sold it because even oh, i was yeah. kind of intrigued i was like hmm this could be kind of interesting like maybe it's kind of light on the horror and more of a comedy. So maybe that's why. I think the balance is just right for it. I mean, like I, I don't think horror movies have gotten too soft. Cause I mean like the Halloween reboot was not pulling any punches when it came out two years ago. And if we're talking about the slasher genre and like, and, and there's plenty of other horror movies that like push their violent limits to their expectations, like come to daddy, yeah. 
from earlier does that. Yeah, uh, but you mean yeah, but you're saying uh, like come daddy. I mean that's not mainstream. You know, how oh, you, oh, if you're talking mainstream, yeah, no, they've 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 pulled back a little bit unless they do something like a Halloween reboot, like. That, I agree. Yeah, that they because Happy Death Day, both of them are PG thirteen, right? Yeah, yeah. So then, okay, and then uh, Truth or Dare, some of the other Blumhouse stuff that's come out that hasn't been by Jordan Peele. Like, yeah, they 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 tend to play it more on the safe side. So. Yeah, well, even um, you know, uh, Jordan Peele stuff is a little more psychological than it is on the violence, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think people have gotten used to the monsters uh whether it's Ghostface, leatherface uh freddy krueger jason you know they've haven't really had their day besides you know michael myers is the most recent one right i don't know if people are used to that anymore where it's i think just, i mean I I wa- no remorse it's just killing <laughs> i i wonder if it's like with michael i think the exception with michael has been like they found a way to make him scary again in a way that I hope they find for Jason and Freddie, but it seems like that, that Michael just lended itself well to that kind of, if we retcon these certain things, this happens. What I like about the Blissfield Butcher here is that it, because he, it, it, the mask isn't the important part. The important part is he's a brutal, sadistic motherfucker. Like he is not messing around. He is, he is on one mission, kill. He listens to the knife at the beginning. Like this guy is off his fucking rocker. Like the the my the the moment I laughed the loudest is also the moment that creeped me out a bit was when she wakes up in his kill lair <laughs> because it's it's terrifying of all the things she's surrounded by in this body but also it's just hilarious to be like oh just what if you woke up in in Jason Voorhees's cave or like wherever he's hanging out in the middle of the woods in Crystal Lake like that's that's a that's a cool moment. Um, but yeah, I hope this means we get more stuff like this because I'd love yeah. to see Christopher Landon do another slasher movie in this vein. I don't want a sequel to this movie. I really don't. I, I think but, it is fine just the way it is. <laughs> Brad, you, you weren't as impressed. Uh, what uh, what weren't you impressed with as much? Yeah, like I I, th- I thought the, you know, towards the end, the kills weren't as inter- like creative as like the opening was. You know, by the end, you know, she's just wielding a chainsaw or just stabbing people or hitting people. Um, you know, uh, and then like, like I liked what Vince Vaughn was doing as like in, in his performance, but it was that thing that people complain about Shazam where like Zachary Levi's version of that kid wasn't the performance that the kid was giving. Hmm. I felt like he did that with Catherine Newton's thing. Cause she's like, I know she's, you know, as herself, she's, very meek and reserved and you know antisocial um but i didn't see any of that come through with vince vaughn's like vince vaughn like he could have been portraying like you know the ditzy cheerleader right Mm. um as his take on on the girl so i i felt that like there was a disconnect between those two performances obviously his version would have been and is more entertaining than like just doing what she was doing you know yeah in a different body. Um, and I also didn't think it capitalized on the premise of um, these two characters switching bodies. Like I felt like it was trying to ride a line of like, well, we really want to do like stuff that honors the genre while also trying to like just serve the story. So, 
you know, I, I thought there were a lot of, a lot of missed opportunities with dealing with the, like, you know, she, uh, the, the serial killer who isn't in like a, a weaker, I guess, body um, and her struggling with, you know, you, you think when she wakes up right away, she would notice her hands, you know, she doesn't have to like go to the mirror and notice that she's, you know, this huge man. And then the, like the epilogue, like after, you know, they get rescued in the ambulance and everything, it just felt like that whole extra scene that I didn't think was needed at all. Um, like it's there to make her kind of feel more empowered. Uh, I mean, if we're lucky, it sets up the fact that you don't need a sequel to this movie because you could have just ended on the ambulance with him clearly still alive and then you cut to black the end. Yeah, he was also shot, shot like eight times. Like, uh, well, much, he, he didn't seem weakened at all in in their house. So well, much like much like any serial, or any slasher killer in any of these movies, they can get shot six times. They can get shot in the heart, and they still get up and walk out. Yeah. So like they're kind of following that trope. Um. Yeah, it's when the like Stu says in Scream, where the supposed killer comes back alive for one last scare, but he's not dead. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like he's not supernatural though. It's just the the dagger is right. So that's where I'm just like that doesn't make sense to me. We don't know much about him, so yeah, and it's supposed to be fun, but it's just like I don't know, just felt off to me. Um, and it's like the lack of security at the police station, I guess, <laughs> like that whole sequence. Um, yeah, I don't know, just wasn't as. Sharp as... I, I can say that uh, police departments don't have evidence in a locker that you can see through just to pick up. Just sitting out in the main yeah. area, which didn't even look like a police station. It was like some boathouse next to a huge mansion. Yeah, well, um, come see my where I work sometime, Brad, and you won't be that impressed either. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what Blissfield's city budget is for its police department. We have no idea of this universe just yet. We're just experiencing this movie. Give it time. Somebody will build a Wikipedia page dedicated to explaining why that evidence locker is so Zach, close. you need a sequel because it'd be too freaky. T-O-O freaky. Ooh. Okay, <laughs> now I kind of want it just for the title alone. And then the third one could be, and then the third one could be way too freaky or something like that. Just find a way to keep building off that title. No, it'd be still freaky. Still freaky. (laughs) The reboot is stay freaky. Yes. Or freaky within three for the e. Yes. Ooh, ooh, Corinne, Corinne's, Corinne's good with marketing horror films, even if she doesn't like watching them. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Uh, Next week. I don't think anything's opening. So um, maybe Rebecca. Um, yeah, I've been done with that. <laughs> I've um, held off long enough. <laughs> but, uh, I won't also- be able to join next week, though. So dang it, why do you have to pick something I actually want to talk about? Yep. Sorry, Corinne. Spoilers. We're doing it. Um, I don't know. Um, I'll wait. It's not how spoilers work. <laughs> yep, for me it is. Um <laughs> I'll wait a couple days because sometimes Alamo releases their schedule and movie theaters. There might be something that trickles out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. You could always go see War with Grandpa. Nope. <laughs> dude, dude, wait. No, Ryan, you don't get it. It's the old school and the new cool. I saw yeah. that poster. It, it sold me. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't you want to see the new cool fight, the old school? God damn that culture. God I saw the it. preview before my movie, and I was like, I'm kind of intrigued. Like, just the amount of star power in this thing I, makes I, me I, want to go see it a little bit. I haven't watched the trailer. How many times does Robert De Niro get hit over the head by something frivolous and plaything like? A lot, probably. Oh, I don't know. There's a Jackie Chan movie coming out. Mm. Oh, that's right. Like The Vanguard. Yeah. Okay. It's got 0%. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, wow. We'll figure it out. Wait, does it have a 0% because nobody's reviewed it or because it's bad? No, it's rotten. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm reading it through Fandango, so they've got like five reviews on here. And they're, must all, be lo- they're all bad. That must, be, that must be less than the tuxedo. You know. I'll still oh. see it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.